Okay, welcome to the 11 on 11 podcast. Thanks for joining us uh, today, everyone. And we are just under a week away from the Super Bowl where the Kansas City Chiefs will take on the Tampa Bay Buccaneers in Raymond James Stadium. And this is just going to be such a fun matchup. And uh, I'm delighted to spend this episode with a lifetime Chiefs fan and personal friend of mine, Chris Heifel. Thanks for coming on the show today, Chris. Yeah, no problem, man. I appreciate you inviting me, and I'm excited to be here and talk about this game and everything. Awesome. Awesome. It's going to be a good time. Uh, it's going to be great to get, you know, perspective of a Chiefs fan, and then obviously it's no no mystery to anyone who I support in this, so we'll see how it turns out. Um, but before, you know, we get into breaking things down for the, the Super Bowl here, uh, just tell me a little bit, you know, what has your experience been as a Chiefs fan since, you know, obviously Andy Reid was there for a while, but really the the beautiful meshing of Andy Reid and Patrick Mahomes, and how much have things changed for you with this experience compared to obviously when you first started being a fan? I, I know there were a couple of rough years, so why don't you tell me a little bit about that? Yeah, so, I mean, you know, I, I think it's kind of uh, a well-known um, you know, thing about the Chiefs and their history as far as, you know, just playoff uh, miscues and mishaps and things that have happened throughout the years and everything. And, you know, um, how just within, just it seems like just within like maybe the past, even before Pat Mahomes kind of started, you know, in, like Alex Smith years and like that too with Andy Reid were obviously pretty good years and everything. And so the fortunes have certainly changed fairly quickly in you know, in the sense of just being back-to-back Super Bowls for the Chiefs compared to what has, has been the case for, you know, basically the past 50 years, I think it's like when they last, when the last one before last year, so. Right, right. It's been, it's been quite a trip, you know. Yeah, oh, absolutely. So, I mean, you, you mentioned it, you know, back-to-back Super Bowls, and I believe I saw, you know, they had made at least the conference game three years in a row and then back-to-back Super Bowls, so you must be feeling pretty confident going to this game, right? Yeah, the nerves, the nerves are are, gone, are pretty much kind of subsided now. You know, it feels now that they've kind of got it. You know, they've they've made the, the you know obviously the conference championship. They've won the conference championship now at least once within the past recent years, and now also won the Super Bowl. You know, kind of getting over those humps and and uh, you know kind of having that playoff success finally kind of come. Now the nerves have kind of subsided as opposed to like. You know, every time the playoffs started with Chiefs fans, it was always kind of like we were all bracing and waiting for that that moment when there were things would just go wrong for them. And, you know, now that things have kind of – the fortunes have kind of changed, now it's like, you know, you we do feel a little bit more confident kind of going into things and everything like that. You're kind of having that, um, you know, I guess, experience now. So Right. Well, and I mean, I think last year's playoff run gives Chiefs fans everywhere – tons of confidence. I mean, to be able to go down consistently in pretty much every playoff game and see your team roaring back, I mean, you know, the conference championship, that was just another Sunday pretty much, right? Going down 9-0, it, it didn't even really phase you. It really didn't, yeah. It was, it was like that whole thing of, well, we've been here before. We've been down much bigger, you know, obviously like the Texas right. games last year. So, you yeah. Know, yeah, it was like just kind of that whole confidence of, Oh, I think we're okay. We're still good, you know. We've gotten this before, and we we can do certainly do it again. So. Yep. 
Yep. So, uh, well, let's let's take a look. Let's look forward to the Super Bowl. And um, by looking forward, I think we're going to look back actually first because, um, you know, interestingly enough, these two teams have played each other in the same year um, in the exact stadium where the Super Bowl is uh, being held, which obviously that's a first because no Super Bowl team has ever played a Super Bowl in their home stadium. Um, which is obviously a big storyline going into this game. But these two teams faced each other back in week 12. And it was Tampa's last game before their bye week. Obviously, since then, Tampa has won seven straight, including uh, three on the road. And then going into that game, the Chiefs, I mean, they only had one loss. They were still rolling. I would say they're still rolling at or even, a you know, at a better pace than what they were back then. Um you know, a couple other things I thought were interesting. Brady has, you know, had a two and one record uh, against Mahomes going into that game. So there, you know, there were some storylines in that game. Um, so, you know, kind of setting the scene for that matchup that happened back in week 12. What takeaways do you, do you look at for that, Chris, um, from that game that you do think will be applicable in this game? Bearing in mind when the Super Bowl is played, I believe it'll be 10 weeks from the time those two teams played each other. So obviously a lot can change in 10 weeks, but, but what are you going to take away from that previous matchup? Um, you know, I mean, I think first and foremost, the thing that stands out the most is that that first quarter that Tiger kill had, you know, I mean, yeah. you know, Tampa didn't have the either just the correct defense or defensive plan just for him right mm-hmm. off the bat. And you obviously can't see them just doing, going into it, and having the same kind of mindset of just kind of taking the same approach right off the bat like that. So, I mean, imagine he's, he's going to get nowhere near to what he got last time, which was at 269 yards and three touchdowns, you know? So obviously I think that's one thing kind of t- first and foremost takeaway, probably the most obvious thing is they're just going to, you know, obviously try and guard him a little bit differently mm-hmm. like in probably how they kind of did the second half in that game. But um you know, it's it's, it's um, one of the things, you know, with credits to Tampa Bay was like, you know, after that game, you know, they were seven and five, you know. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, I think a lot of people were starting to count them out, you know, possibly not only just in the NFC, you know, but uh, maybe just even in their in their um, in their division, you know, some people were kind of counting them up to like Tampa Bay even at that point. And so, you know, kind of what you were saying, they, you know, after that bye week, they went on to win seven in a row, you know. Um, a lot of them on the road, obviously, kind of with the playoff situation here, too, you know, where they've run, like, three straight on the road also. So, you know, they certainly made their adjustments. They've done what they needed to do. They turned their season around because, like I said, they were looking almost – they were almost at 500 records. So, you know, it was looking kind of dismal there at that point. But then, you know, credit to them for turning things around pretty quickly there, too. Right. No, I, I'm right there with you. I mean, that was – that was a big game, and I think actually that second half against Kansas City is where uh, I think a lot of people point. I actually heard an interview with Bruce Arians, and he points back to that second half against Kansas City where they finally kind of think they got some things going on offense, and then obviously that's what what has carried over. But, yeah, I mean, if you're going to point to any one thing in particular from that game that just stands out like, you know, a, a sore thumb, um Tyree Kill going for over 200 yards and a couple touchdowns in the first quarter is just out of control. So, I mean, Tampa is clearly going to have to have a different um, defensive 
plan. If they try to go man with Carlton Davis on Tyreek Hill, that's just a bad matchup. I mean, we saw what happened this, um, you know, past game against uh, Green Bay in the conference championship game. I mean, that happened. Carlton Davis got manned up, you know, man on man against Marquez, uh, Marquez Valdez Scantling, right? And uh, he, he got burned for a 50 yard touchdown. And I know, I know um, Valdez Scantling is a fast player, but we're, I mean, it's kind of like apples and oranges looking at him compared to Tyreek Hill, right? Um, yeah. He, he's just on another level. So, I mean, that's something that they're really going to have to to change how that looks like. So whether that's always having a safety over the top or or what have you, I'm not sure what the, the answer is for that. But, you know, then, then what comes into question is, you know, what do you do about Travis Kelsey if you do that? Because if I recall, Travis Kelsey had nine catches or something like that for almost 100 yards. So it's kind of like pick your poison with, with Kansas City. I mean, I just – I don't know what the plan is, but obviously, you know, the takeaway from this is they're going to have to do something different. Um, one thing I would like to note that I think is important, and I, I want to – you know, ask you about this. I'm going to be leading into this with some of the keys we have for the game. But, you know, in the last game they played each other, Shaq Barrett was able to get a sack and force a fumble. And they were able to get a little bit of pressure, not in the first half at all, but in the second half, they were kind of starting to able to do some things. And we're looking at a, you know, Tampa team after this past week that they were able to get five sacks against Green Bay. Um, Shaq Barrett had three of them. Jason Pierre-Paul had two. And Eric Fisher, you know, the tackle for uh, Kansas City, unfortunately tears his Achilles in the conference championship game against Buffalo. So that's a huge loss. So so what do you make of all that going into this game? Do you think that's going to end up being a factor? Or, or what are your thoughts on that coming from, you know, the previous matchup? And could that end up being a role in this one? Yeah, I, I, I did. So I did kind of have some notes on that, um, you know, just with the offensive line issues in general with the Chiefs. I mean, it's just it's just like I mean, there's just a whole list of things that have just occurred specifically on the offensive line that have just been either like really unfortunate or just kind of just situational things with the whole pandemic and about that, too, because, you know, we've had one starter who's a guard who opted out before the season, another guy that they drafted who may have been in the mix at tackle, he opted out as well. Mm-hmm. You know, we had um, another guard that they had signed um, at the beginning of the season um, who basically tore his tendons in both of his knees. So this was like collegial assembly. He was like in yep, five yep. against Vegas. Mitchell Schwartz, who was our starting, you know, right tackle, you know, he has a back injury and they're just saying he's not going to uh, play even like in the Super Bowl. And, there's even kind of talks about maybe him um, possibly retiring, but that's just kind of what's kind of in the woodworks there and like that too. It's nothing like official or anything like that too, but there's been talks about maybe, maybe he'll look to do that. But mm. yeah. And then Eric Fisher, obviously, you know, Achilles injury last week versus Buffalo. Yep. You know um, so yeah, you, I mean, you're looking at basically a patchwork offensive line and, and it's not just been like, recent it's kind of been throughout most of the year too like i said there's been a lot of guys that even opted out or gotten injured and just haven't played for the rest of the year and everything so you know that is um a concern uh you know especially when you look at like that stout defensive line that they got and um it's kind of funny it's, it's almost 
you were almost kind of put that defensive line on similar levels as like what they played against what the Chiefs played against last year with 49ers. Yeah. You know, heavy, heavy front four, you know, just really good guys up front and like that too. And, you know, we saw what happened with Mahomes in that game through pretty much three quarters. You know, I mean, you got Nick Bosa basically, you know, uh, just getting run over, uh, just running over Eric Fisher for most of the game, basically. You know? Right, right, yeah. So, I, I mean, you know, it's it's like I said, I mean, it's certainly, it certainly is something that you just can't bat your eye out and just say, oh, well, they're just going to overcome it, you know. Yeah. Um, you know, it, I think offensive line, in my eyes, offensive line is like, basically like the second most important position in, in the entire team outside of the uh, quarterback. So, yeah. Yeah, I agree. I mean, I think, you know, and we'll get into this as we get into our keys to the game a little bit more, but that's just something that stood out to me. And then obviously the injury is, uh, is huge. So we'll see how that ends up playing out, obviously. Um, two last things I'd like to note from that, that last game. And I'm curious to see, um, you know, how it ends up playing out. So, obviously, the Bucks ended up getting down by quite a bit in that previous matchup. Uh, in the third quarter, they ended up being down 27-10 at one point, which, um, for those of you that aren't aware, the, the final score ended up being 27-24. So, that really shows you how Tampa finally got things turned around. Um, too little, too late, unfortunately. But, um, you know, funny enough, Chris and I, we were actually texting during that game, and I think both of us, we were a little surprised with how that game ended and how it ended up being so close. Uh, I believe Patrick Mahomes, didn't he end up having to scramble for a first down with not a ton of time left to officially wind out the clock just so Tampa didn't have a chance to, to get a field goal or a touchdown at the end of the game. So um, it was kind of surprising because, um, you know, like we said, it, it seemed very one-sided for <laughs> for the majority of the game, right? So, um just two things I noticed. I mean, I think Tampa is not a team. Um, although you have Brady, I don't think Tampa is the same team that Kansas City is, that they would recover the same way if they get behind early. Um, I'm noting that because in that game against Kansas City, Tom Brady did have to force it several times to, to try and come back, right? And he ended up throwing two picks on back-to-back drives where – Tampa actually was moving the ball. I mean, I was looking back at some of the game scripts and, um, you know, some of the details regarding it. It looks like Tampa was really moving the ball. I mean, they moved the ball 39 yards and 44 yards respectively um, when Tom Brady threw both of those picks and they were on back-to-back drives. So, I mean, if they could have just gotten a field goal, I'm not saying they would have ended up tying the game. The, The game could have been different, but obviously those would have been valuable points as they try to, to come back against Kansas City. So as they continue to press, I don't think that's that's the right strategy. And then the one other thing I want to mention, and uh, Chris Tremon was your thoughts on this, the Bucks did end the game on two huge drives. They had a drive of eight plays for 75 yards and then a 10-play, uh, 73-yard drive, both ending in touchdowns. Um, and again, like I like I mentioned earlier, I think that was kind of where they started to see their offense click before going on this run. Um, so I mean, it, it basically that shows to me they can move the ball against this defense and can move it effectively, and they're playing more at that level now than they were even then. You know, they they've done this consistently now for seven weeks as opposed to, you know, back then that Tampa team we were seeing it was a different team every week, right? So. 
Um, I'm just curious, you know, are we going to get that team that can move the ball and can really press them and, and have an eight-play, 75-yard drive, keep Patrick Mahomes on the bench for a while, or what team are we going to see? So your thoughts on that, Chris? Yeah, so I, I'm looking at, like, from that previous game, so the last two touchdowns, and, you know, I, I think this was just more of a sense of urgency because it was, you know, they were down, like sure. you're saying, 27-10, and they just came back off of two interceptions and like that, too. And so they actually moved mm-hmm. the ball pretty quickly. Like, there was the first touchdown drive it only took two minutes and 29 seconds. The other one, to close out the game, uh, their last score was only for two minutes yep. and 11 seconds. So – you know, they're more than capable of moving the ball quickly down the field. It's just more of like that playing with that sense of urgency as opposed to, um, you know, um, trying like trying to come from behind. And that's kind of funny that you mentioned that about, you know, the Chiefs being able to come back from behind. I I think I heard this the other day, and this is just something insane. I think it like it's like Patrick Mahomes and the Chiefs, like when they're down um, – a score or something like that, they end up winning like 80% of their games <laughs> yeah. or something like that. Like it's like when they're down by, by one possession or more, they end up like winning the like yeah. 80% of the time. And it's, it's like, you know, and then I think the league average is like maybe 20%. Sure. Sure. Like sure. That. No, yeah. I mean, I think that makes sense. So, I mean, everyone that's watched the chiefs know that, um, I mean, Patrick Mahomes has only lost, I think I saw nine games in his career so far. I mean, so he's not losing many games to begin with. And how many of those games, I mean, it would be interesting to look up. I don't have the stat off the top of my head. How many of those games are by more than one score? I mean, very, very rarely, if any at all, in his career so far. So teams are not blowing them out, even if they get a lead early in the game, right? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, so I, and that's kind of what we were, what I was kind of alluding to there too is, I think for Tampa, you know, I think it is, you know, um, to keep that foot on the gas, kind of like you know, um, what I think the Chiefs don't personally do sometimes is where they let teams back in it, you know, and um, that's where things kind of get more interesting, kind of later in the games and like that too. But I think for Tampa, especially, I think if they get off to an early start and they score. And you know they keep they keep pace with with Kansas City. Then I then I think that's where, you know, they certainly have a chance. Yeah, I agree. So let's move into um, some of the keys keys to the game. Maybe individual matchups you're looking at specifically here, uh, Chris. Maybe things you've noticed in the playoffs that you think will this end up playing a role in this game. Um, why don't you go ahead and start and and throw a couple of these out there and. And uh, let's hear what you're you're paying attention to in this game. Yeah, so I mean, I think like I said, we kind of touched that on this earlier, but I think it's you know, does the Chiefs' offensive line hold up against the Bucks' um, defensive line, especially now that they're getting healthy with Vita Bay yep. back and around that too? How much does that make a difference? Because he, I, I don't think he played in the last matchup. No, you're correct. He got injured week. Um, was that week six? against Chicago, and he has been – or week five, excuse me, against Chicago, and has been out uh, the entire season. His first team game back was last week against uh, against Green Bay. Yeah, so like I said, I mean, I don't know. That's one thing to kind of pay attention to is how are they going to hold up, especially because, like I said, that defensive line for the Buccaneers is not only one of the best in the NFL, but it's also fully healthy, whereas 
obviously, like we were just touching touching on, the Chiefs' offensive mm-hmm. line is not pretty much a healthy at mm-hmm. full strength at all. Um, you know, I'm kind of curious about how um, the Buccaneers defend yep. Tyreek Hill yep. and Kelsey. You know, um, what do they do? Do they do they play? You know, press man coverage. Do they do they? You know, bracket basically Tyreek Hill. You know, the safety and the cornerback and like that too. And who's going to cover Kelsey basically on that same point? Is it going to be one of the you know my favorite linebacking core? You know, in the NFL, which is Levante David and yeah. White. You know, are one of them going to be trailing him, sticking with him for the most part? Or are you going to switch up with defensive backs or safeties or like that too? And you know, one of the other things is. Um, you know, can the Chiefs get pressure on Brady? Because, you know, um, he's not good under pressure. You know, he's – this doesn't seem like the kind of offense that he had in New England where you have a lot of slants, you have a lot of passes that get over the middle fairly quickly, the pressure doesn't get home or doesn't get there like that too. It seems to be, you know, more vertical type of game and all like that too, which takes slightly more time, you know, to develop yep. and like that too. But so what do the Buccaneers do to kind of counter that – do they do more kind of short screen passes and passes out to the running backs like, like Leonard Fournette and Ronald Jones? You know, what do they do to kind of help minimize that Chiefs blitz whenever they kind of do yeah. that and everything? No, I think, I think you hit it right on the head. I mean, the Tyree kill, Travis Kelsey, I, I know we've mentioned this already a couple times, but that's because the importance of it really cannot be understated. They are the best combination in the league. Um, I really don't think that's debatable. If you want to debate it, we can. <laughs> I know not you personally, Chris, but I think you'd probably agree. But, I mean, <laughs> Travis Kelsey and Tyree Kill, I don't think we've just seen such a dominant one-two combo um, from a wide receiver tight end position like that. Um, plus, they just comp, you know, complement each other so well. Um, Tyreek obviously being able to uh, take defenders deep, you know, drag them with him as he hits deep posts, things like that, obviously opening up the middle for, for Travis Kelsey. Uh, but they can both catch screens. They can both catch catch balls over the middle, can both pretty much run any route. I know a lot of people don't think Tyree Kill is a fully polished receiver. I think this season has really had to dispel a lot of doubts about that because he was fully acting like a number one receiver this year. Yeah, I think it's going to be interesting. I, I think they have to have a safety over the top helping any of our corners. We do have a couple with speed. Um, specifically, I'm thinking Jamel Dean. He did run a 4-3-3-40 at the Combine. Um, I know that's still not enough for Tyree Kill, but at least he could stay within a step of him. And then maybe you have someone over the top. The issue is Jamel Dean's our third cover corner, so he's not going to be nearly as good at maybe you know playing some of the other routes that, that Tyreek runs. So, I don't know. They're going to have to have a game plan for that. Um, as you mentioned earlier about Travis Kelsey, um, I'm very curious about that. I think you hit the nail on the head about the linebacking core. I think it's going to have to be Levante David. He's the better of the two inside linebackers in terms of coverage. Devin White is, is fast and can yeah. run downhill, but he's better when he can attack the quarterback or can attack the, the running back. Um, Levante David, in my opinion, has a little bit better coverage skills. Um, that's more praise for David than it is saying anything bad against Devin White. Um, so they're going to have to use some combination of, of Levante, David, and someone else, right? Because one-on-one throughout the entire game, he might be able to shut down Kelsey a little bit. But what happens when he doesn't, that, that, 
one or two times, right? So um, they're going to have to have some help with him. Maybe Antoine Winfield or another safety or someone has to kind of help bracket over the top uh, of him as well. So um, I don't know. It's a, it's a tough task. It's <laughs> I, I'm smiling, but um, what I'm feeling inside is actually just fear. So, <laughs> uh, um, yeah. 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 I no, I get it too. But I, I mean, you know, like, and the, your, the numbers. And I, I was kind of looking this up too. You know, the numbers definitely do portray that. Um, you know, Levante David is definitely the, the better coverage linebacker than um, Devin White. Devin White is the better, um, more pressure sack type of blitz blitzing type of linebacker. Yep. Like that too, so. One of the things I'm I'm looking at that's going to be interesting is. And correct me if I'm wrong on this, Chris. You might have these stats better than I do. But I believe um, Kansas City is in the bottom, at least in the bottom half, I believe they're like 22nd, maybe 21st, so maybe bottom 10, in uh, rush defense in the league. Is, is that correct around there? Okay. Yeah. yeah. So they're okay. – yeah. Their rushing, their rushing defense is, is definitely bad. It's like, I want to say maybe it's okay. 28. Um, okay, it's okay. so they're somewhere around there. So on paper, it would be interesting to see. This is something I guess I'm highlighting. Can Tampa run the ball? So I'm going to throw a couple of numbers at you. So uh, in the regular season, Leonard Fournette had 97 carries for 367 yards. So that, you know, you may not be able to calculate that off the top of your head. What that comes out to is 3.8 yards per carry. So in the NFL, that's not very good, right? We're looking at running backs. I, I think a, a widely accepted standard is pretty much 4.0 yards and up, right? So 3.8, yeah. that's basically saying, hey, you're not very good. You might be able to be on a team, but, you know, out of a top running back, that's not what we're looking for. So in the postseason, however... Fournette has 48 carries for 211 yards. That turns out to be a 4.4 yard per carry average. Now, you know, on the surface, people may be looking like, okay, that's about half a yard. How much, what does that actually mean? Well, Tampa averaged about 95 yards rushing per game um, in the regular season, right? And the playoffs, They've averaged 115 yards a game. So 20 extra yards is substantial. And what it also does, people don't realize, it opens up the play action. It opens up so much because those linebackers cannot just drop back into coverage. They have to play the run in the pass. Safety is the same way. So I think that's something I'm really I'm paying attention to a lot. And last time this game happened, these two teams you know, faced off, um, Tampa only ran the ball 13 times because they got down so early, right? So I would expect to see them run the ball a lot more than that. Um, I actually wouldn't be surprised if they have close to that by the end of the first half in an attempt to not only keep time of possession but also bring balance to the offense and not allow Kansas City to just dictate the play. If they can – run the ball downhill with, with Leonard Fournette and then obviously have some Ronald Jones in there as well, that could be something that, that's really interesting. And then um, 
the other point that I, I want to point out just from, from the playoffs here is over the last two games, so that would be Green Bay as well as New Orleans, right? Tampa has forced six turnovers by their opponents. And not only have they gotten uh, the ball in their possession, you know, it's one thing to force the turnovers. Yep. It's another thing to convert off those turnovers. Tampa has scored 35 points off of those six turnovers. And, I mean, I think, I think most people would say that, um, you know, that was the difference in the game. If you watched, you know, it, it sounds about right, looking at Green Bay and New Orleans, uh, you know, being able to take those turnovers, turn them into points. Um, obviously, Tampa pulled away in the fourth quarter by being able to get those turnovers and turn them into points. And then uh, Green Bay was obviously earlier in the game at the end of the half and then to start the second half. Those were pivotal times. So, I mean, that's something that's going to be a huge key in this game. And, you know, I think it's a little cliche for us to say, Chris, but whoever wins the turnover battle, that that could be a big point. And, you know, from your side, obviously, Patrick Mahomes never turns the ball over. So, case closed, you're going to win, right? Yeah, right. Well, I mean, I think that kind of intermingles with um... – you know, with what we were talking about with the offensive line, you know, is that going to hold up? Because, you know, one of the things we were, we watched and we saw with the last matchup was, you know, Shaq Barry getting off the edge. And I think he actually beat Eric Fisher. And so obviously it's going to be different this time, but, um, you know, beat him off the edge, you know, got the strip sack and, you know, that's a turnover right there. And so how many of those are going to happen? How many opportunities like that from that particular standpoint, of, you know, getting around, getting the ball out of his hands, maybe getting it out of his hands earlier than he wants to to force an interception or something like that. You know, that's something that, you know, it can't be overstated or overlooked, you know, because, like I said, I mean, we have the, the patchwork offensive line, so we don't know what kind of issues that's going to cause, if it's going to cause anything, you know kind of reiterate it back to what we saw with the 49ers in the Super Bowl last year. You know, they forced a couple of turnovers mm-hmm. out of Mahomes, not only because of bridge, but because with just that front four, you know, and so they sent a whole bunch of guys in the back, you know, and were able to, you know, yep. get interceptions off. Yeah, you know, no, I agree. Teams. I mean, I think, obviously, we saw last year, like you mentioned, uh, San Fran was really able to dictate the play for – three, almost three and a half quarters of that game because of their their defensive line play. So, I mean, obviously, you would have to imagine Tampa is looking at that film to an extent. I mean, obviously, it's a new team, but, um, you know, there have been so few teams that have really been able to make Patrick Mahomes look uncomfortable, if you can even call it that, um, maybe slightly rattled. Um, for at least a period of the game, you have to take what little film there is on it and and try to figure out how to apply it, right? Yeah. So, I mean, I, I, you have two weeks before the game. It, it would be worth at least turning on and maybe seeing yeah. what notes you're taking, you know. Um, so, that, obviously, yeah, that's, that's something that's going to be huge. I want to flip it to the other side of the field and actually looking at Tampa's offensive line against the Chiefs defensive line and, and you mentioned it early, Brady doesn't do well with pressure. He doesn't he's not a mobile quarterback. He's not like Mahomes. He can't break containment and throw a sidearm pass eighty yards down the field. Um 
he's also 43, so that'd be pretty impressive if he could. But, uh, you know, either way, either way, I mean, we're looking at, I think, a really big <laughs> matchup we need to highlight is um, Chris Jones against Ryan Jensen, Ali Marpet, and potentially Aaron Stinney, you know, whether he lines up directly over the center or obviously one of the two guards. Um, that's a huge matchup. I mean, Chris Jones last year, I mean, and he, I know he's been productive all year, but last year he was so productive and such a force in the playoffs. I don't think there's any denying that he could end up having a huge say in this game. If, if he plays like, you know, everyone knows he can. I mean, you know, outside of Aaron Donald, I don't know if there's a defensive tackle that I'd rather have on my team right now. So, uh, that's a matchup I'm really looking at, and I'm curious to see how he may be able to influence the game, obviously in the running game, but, but further in you know, his ability to, to press the pocket and collapse it, because if that's the case, you know, the Bucks are really going to struggle. You know, I think um, I'm looking back at you know, Washington. That was the big narrative in that game, right? Oh, look at, look at all these players on Washington. They're all first-round picks. They can really get after the quarterback. That's Tom Brady's nightmare. It's, you know, like the Patriots against the Giants and those Super Bowls all over again. Um, you know, Bucks might end up getting bounced in the wild card. Obviously, the offensive line stepped up, and they had a fantastic game, one of the best games of the season, honestly, from preventing Chase Young and, and others from getting to Brady. But, um, I mean, what do you think about that matchup, Chris? Do you think Chris Jones is going to – uh, have a have a say in this game. I mean, I think it would be um, pretty apparent that he's going to have some impact by either having a big game, or if he doesn't, that that's probably going to be a big indicator that Tampa is going to do fairly well in this game. Yeah, I, I think I think Chris Jones is definitely going to try and make his impact. Um, you know, when the brights when the lights are brightest and like that too in the in the biggest games and like that too, he really shines through and comes through and like that. And, you know, I mean, all credit to, you know, the Bucks offensive line. I mean, Jensen's playing great fantastic. Marpet's playing fantastic. Uh, I know your rookie Justin yep. Worse on the end is having a hell of a year too. So I mean, like I said, that whole offensive line is playing really, really good football right now. And, you know, and and so I you know I still think Chris Jones is gonna get his plays here and there, but um, you know I think it's gonna be a pretty even matchup as far as how well your offensive line has been playing plus how well Chris Jones, even though his sack numbers are down um, this year, he's still getting like a like a high pressure rate right now this year and with that too. So I think he's still playing really good football. It's just you know I think it's a fairly even matchup when you kind of look at it. I think sure. both sides are gonna get their wins, you know, and like that too. So yep. I don't think it's going to be. So I have one, I have one more like key that. matchup that I'm going to highlight. And uh, I think it's a big one. Um, and that is Tom Brady against Tyron Matthew. Um, in my opinion, and I will let you have your say on this, Chris, but Matthew is the undisputed leader of that defense. And uh, obviously the secondary, but I'd say the defense as a whole, as he goes, Seems like the defense follows. Um, last time the Bucks actually played Kansas City, um, one of those picks we alert um, uh, talked about earlier. Excuse me. You know, Tyron Matthew had one of them picked off Brady. Uh, that was obviously a huge play, and then he stepped up huge against Cleveland in the divisional round. So 
he has had a great season this year. He's been the leader of the team. Um, and I really, I feel like how Brady has to, has to approach this is, I don't know if you know this story. I, I, I bet you are aware of it, but, uh, Chris, did you hear the story of how Tom Brady used to approach having to play Ed Reed before every game? I, I'm, I'm slightly familiar with it. Um, I know those two are yes, going up. Yes, yes. So what he did, so you know, obviously the quarterbacks always have the wristband with, with their plays, maybe a couple notes on there um, that they can they can look at during the game, right? So so he actually wrote, and there's pictures on this, mm. um, he has on Sharpie or something, he wrote on his wristband, find number 20 before every play. Because that's how much of a big play and big threat type guy Ed Reed was, right? And Ed Reed, obviously, in the Hall of Fame, in my opinion, the best ball hawking uh, safety in NFL history. And I would say Tyron Matthew is not Ed Reed, but he's not as far off as a lot of people would think. And maybe that's a bold statement, um, but I think we're going to look back at Tyron Matthew's career, seeing how he makes big plays, how he is a ball-hawking type player, how he, he's always around the ball. And I think people are going to look back at his career and be like, wow, he made a lot of huge plays in clutch situations. So I think that's almost the approach Brady needs to take into this game because um, Matthew, he's just always around the ball. I mean, he's always around the ball. Ever since his time at um, LSU, he's been known for that. That's how you get the nickname Honey Badger, apparently. And um, it, it's going to be really interesting to see how that chess match could, could play because I think they're both very cerebral players. And, you know, Tom's ability to potentially audible or change the play when he sees Tyron Matthew lining up in certain situations could also be a factor. I mean, that could audible the Bucks into the, the right situation and it could end up being a big player. Maybe Tyron Matthew, after watching a lot of film, you know, shows something and then it's actually a different coverage and they, they you know, bait Brady into something. So um, your thoughts on that, Mr. Heifel? Yeah, so I, I, I would totally agree that he's, um, you know, been the, the biggest difference maker for this defense. You know, when two years ago, you know, it's a championship game, you know, we all knew how bad that Chiefs defense was, you know, they have fired their offense, they fired their defense coordinator, got a new one, Steve Spagnuolo, mm-hmm. something like that too. And while Spags has been, you know, really good for the for the defense, he's really made some good changes, really uh, turned things around. I, I would personally say that the biggest difference and the biggest difference maker has been Tyron Matthew. And I think it's because he not only brings that leadership, but the guy is smart. I mean, he makes plays and he sees things developing. And I've always yeah. heard that he's very much a, a film study type of guy, you know, always, always watching things, always studying plays. Mm -hmm. You know, like I said, the guy is just all over the field, run plays, pass plays, you know, everything. He's all over the place. He's everywhere for this team. And like I said, I think he's been the biggest, uh, like free agent signing, you know, recently, I know we've signed some big names and have some guys, some big name guys like that too, but I'd say for him, yeah, you know, Uh, he's been the biggest. I'd echo that sentiment. Um, Honestly, he's a guy that I, I wanted Tampa to go after when he was um, available from Arizona. Um, 
you know, I, I thought Tampa should have had a run at him, but obviously he's playing at an all pro level and uh, is in the Super Bowl for the second straight year. So he's doing something right. So anyway, um, I think we've yeah. talked enough yeah. about individual matchups, looking at the previous game. Let's get to predictions. Chris, how do you see this one shaking out? Uh, give me your prediction. Who will win Super Bowl 55? You know, I, I'm going to go with um, the Chiefs, 31-28. I think Patrick Mahomes has another good game, um, has some kind of special play or some kind of special moment or something like that, like we've kind of consistently seen in the playoffs and like that too. And so I think, you know, he just keeps that going makes a special play, gets the team in a winning position like that too. You know, I think they kind of get out to a, a lead and then just kind of retain that lead. And like I said, a 31-28. Right. That is what uh, Chris Eiffel predicts for this one. Uh, I'm in a very similar ballpark. Obviously, I'm going to uh, be a homer in this one, saying that Tampa – Gets their second Lombardi Trophy, being the first team to host a Super Bowl. I don't know how much of a factor that's going to be. Um, I hope it will, but with all things COVID, and I don't know what the breakdown of the crowd ends up looking like, who knows. I'm going to say Tampa Bay wins the Super Bowl. It's going to be 38-34 to 34 in a great game. I think it's going to have to be high scoring because I just see Kansas City scoring a lot of points, so Tampa is obviously going to have to do the same. And my MVP, maybe a little bit out of left field, uh, I have two names written down. So I, I think either Shaq Barrett or Leonard Fournette. Shaq Barrett because, you know, maybe it's going to be a big sack on a third down, maybe even a fourth down to prevent Kansas City from keeping a drive alive. Um, or maybe it's that fumble we were talking about. Could it could it be another forced fumble that helps Tampa, um, you know, get an early score or maybe a late score, whatever it ends up being. Uh, the other name, Leonard Fournette, I think he has to have some sort of big role if uh, Tampa's going to possess the ball and, and have balance in this game. So we'll see how it all turns out. Uh, Chris, thank you so much for, for joining me. You are the officially, you are the first guest of the 11 on 11 podcast. So you're making history right here, sir. Well, I appreciate it. And, and all like, like, you know, you're talking about the MVP, you sir are the real MVP yeah. for putting all this together and have me on here and like that too. So no matter what happens, I appreciate it. And good luck to you oh, and your team. Well, I, I appreciate it. Thanks, you know, for, your thanks for your time. It's um, been very enjoyable talking with you, sir, about uh, the whole breakdown of this game. And uh, I'm sure there will be a, a wry text or two, uh, depending on who wins this football game. So um, we will definitely follow up on that. Um, but this, this wraps up and concludes this episode of the 11 on 11 podcast. And for all you listeners, thank you uh, so much for tuning in. We have an incredible game in store uh, with Super Bowl 55. It's going to be exciting. So if you liked what you heard here today, as always, um, please follow us on, on Twitter and Instagram. The handle is at 11on11podcast. Take care, and we will see you next week with the post-Super Bowl breakdown.